All right, so starting, I have this sense that the Lord is really drawing people into something right now. Um, it, I feel this way a lot of times this time of year, and we spoke a little bit about this. If you're in the communion groups as well, just um, Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur, like the Jewish New Year, the Day of Atonement, the holiest day of the Jewish calendar year, and, and God's calendar, really. Now we have Passover, which, which I, you know, I think trumps that, but it's, it's, it's basically very, very similar. And, but I feel this sense that the Lord is really drawing people into something and um, like calling people out into a deeper walk. There's something that's coming alive in people's hearts, um, maybe drawing them out of religion or you know, their traditional, comfortable Christianity into something that will really bring them to life and bring them alive. And um, today... I want to talk, I think this is going to sound really daunting, but I'm, and it kind of is, but I want to do six chapters in Joshua. And so it's not that we'll be here all day, so don't worry about this, because I am the, the captain of the Cliff Notes team, you know what I mean? So, um, but you know, we've talked about what it means biblically, we've laid a foundation for so many years, and even of late it feels basic real true new testament christianity and what it looks like to be led of the spirit and um we've we've went through and i've went through so often and we'll we'll, we'll use jeremiah 31 isaiah 59 you know joel 2 all these prophetic utterances and writings from the old testament that were really a shadow of things to come and nobody really understood what they meant and how they were going to come to pass until they all did, and the disciples started piecing this mosaic together, and um, you know, and now we now we can kind of see it clearly. But there's another way that this life that we walk was foretold throughout the Old Testament, and and First Corinthians ten, it literally says, and it says it as well in Romans fifteen that these things which were written were actually written for us. As an admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come, us, us in these last times, in other words, this, the, the day of the kingdom of heaven, real, the day of Christianity, um, these things were actually written for us to see. The people, everybody that went through the things in the Old Testament, the stories, they're both literal, but they're also like parables that we can see them and understand for our own lives of what we're walking through. So you have people, you have Joel 2, saying that that connection is going to be restored you know it shall come to pass afterward that your young men will see dream dreams your your or your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams your sons and your daughters will prophesy you know isaiah 59 like like my words will be in your mouth from this time and forevermore jeremiah 31 you know ezekiel 36 the the heart of flesh rather than the heart of stone all these these pieces of this beautiful mosaic that was new testament christianity being prophesied was also prophesied by the lives of the people that lived before us. And it's, I'm, you know, me, man, I'm, I'm a storyteller in nature, so it's like to, to see the gospel through the storytellings of the congregation, the people of Israel, the son, prince of God, prince with God, what the name Israel means, um, shed so much light and understanding for us in what we're supposed to walk in. So that will be my, um, basically, my intro, but I, I feel like there's some things I want to do for our, as our body in these next few weeks, and I don't usually, you know, sequence messages, right? 
Um, but it's like, I feel like the Lord really wants to lay this foundation of New Testament Christianity, but also what the gift, the empowerment of God, the endowments of the gifts of the Spirit, and function in these in the real world in a way that there's, I, I often call it, call it the charismatic divide. There's, there's one side of the charismatic tracks that is like kind of flaky and weird. It's almost like playing Star Wars, which no offense to Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have any real world application. But then there's another side that's the true biblical Christianity that's practical and walkable. Amen. And it is profoundly mystical as well. Okay? And so Jesus walked this walk as the firstborn of many brethren. God in the flesh, the embodiment of Yahweh, the physical embodiment of God to show us what this is like. And what we see him doing is showing up as a nobody and being baptized in the mystic river, you know. The Jordan, the Jordan River. Um, and so I want to look back at some of the history of the Jordan and, and maybe even just through the book of Joshua because I, 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 I just, I kind of did it off the top of my head last week, but then when I thought about it, I was like, this is, I feel like the Lord is strengthening the foundation of many of us because you can go as high as your foundation is laid. You know what I mean? It's like, but if your foundation's off, even by like a, a half of an inch, Hey, you build a one, two-story building, maybe not a huge deal. But if you build a few extra floors, that thing's going to start teetering. You know? Then, you know, you're building a skyscraper. If it's probably a quarter of an inch or half an inch, I'm not a builder. But I would imagine, you know, the scale of that would be catastrophic, you know? And so I think the Lord as our house wants our foundation to be so solid in Him and actually seeing the foretelling of what this looks like. So we're going to do Joshua, right? Uh, last week, I'll just, even maybe Cliff notes that a little bit, we talked about what baptism really is, you know, leading off with, you know, Jesus himself being baptized by Cousin John. It's like baptism is, it's not like being cleansed from your sins and being good. It is actually being, being conformed, like dying with the Lord Jesus and being resurrected with him. It's, it's actually, you're, everything you once were in Adam in the old man, in the old lineage, everything that was inherited through the fall, since the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good is eaten, everything that came in, because that opened the door so much, sickness, disease, depression, darkness, you, you name it, jealousy, anger, all these things, everything that came into that, he's paid for the door to be shut to where you're physically and spiritually not compatible with those things having access to your DNA and to your person. And, um, you know, Jesus comes... And obviously, we see him getting dunked by his cousin. We see, we hear, we see what you would call, you know, a trinity, a trinitarian view of the spirit, like a dove, God, the Father's voice, Jesus, the Son, the embodiment of Yahweh, all in one, one single picture, one mind-bending picture, and then, and then he's off into the wilderness and comes back in in ridiculous amounts of power and reveals himself to people. Um, but we were talking about baptism being, you know, the symbolisms of ba- baptism in the Old Testament was the Red Sea. It was this, Israel had become, instead of prince with God, they had become a slave of the world. You know what I mean? This is, you know, and, and, and Egypt, and, and Pharaoh was a type of Satan, even in the scriptures. And so they were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. And, you know, obviously Moses shows up, you know, doing uh, basically magic tricks, you know, putting his hand, making his hand become leprous. You know, throwing a, a rod on the ground, making it become a snake, you know what I mean? Just these things. But the, but the straw that really broke the camel's back was Passover. It broke the Pharaoh's back. 
and they were released to go and actually follow God. But what happened when they were released to go follow God is, is Pharaoh had a change of mind or a hardened change of heart, and he actually starts coming after them to where their backs were against the wall, so to speak, or against the Red Sea. But God did something that was completely and totally brand new that nobody saw coming, and he parted that thing. So Israel crosses over on dry ground. Moses and the guys are holding his arms up while he's holding that snake staff. That You know, if you think about how crazy this Bible is, man, it's just it's incredible and mystical and profound. Um, but he's holding that staff up, and, and everybody walks across on dry ground. Everybody makes their way out of the place. And, um, of course, Pharaoh and the, and the Egyptians, they said, well, we're, you know, you can run, but you can't run far enough. So they're coming after him, and they get swallowed. And that's baptism. That old identity, everything that, that caused you are our slaves, it's just like, no, we are, it's like there was a complete severance and separation from that old identity. And they went out into the wilderness like the song that they wrote just then is about the cloud that covered them by day and the fire that was in the night. That was the covering of God that was over them at all times. He, he gave them the understanding of this tabernacle, this temple. This, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant, man, that was in there and that was the very presence of God would actually come on that thing. They'd have to carry it everywhere they went. And so they, they lived in the wilderness for quite a long time, but because certain people were unbelieving, they were actually more comfortable being slaves. They were so intimidated to actually go into the promised land, they actually didn't enter. They actually didn't enter into the promises of God. And to me, that's also that's like the divide of like, uh, I don't know, maybe you call it like religious Christianity. And it's like you see in, in, in the book of Numbers, Numbers is it sounds like it'd be the most boring book by the name, but it's probably one of the most exciting books of the Bible to me. It's it's called the the wilderness book, is what it was really called. Um, in them old days, but uh, you know we call it numbers for some reason. But there's numbers in it too, so whatever. So anyhow, so um, you know there's there's these twelve spies that are sent out into the promised land, and out of the twelve, ten of them come back scared, scared to death, because there's Nephilim there, the word giants. You know, there's people that are hybrids mixed with angelic beings. There's there's monsters. This is kind of like Lord of the Rings movie, but it's actually pure, real theology. And um, um, so there, there's all those things, and they're like, we're like grasshoppers of them. We're going to die, man. You know? And Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies that were like, hey, but God's actually with us. Amen. They're living in this, this otherworldly climate. Their, their temperature wasn't the temperature of the wilderness. They had a cloud that hovered over them by day, a pillar, a pillar of dark cloud that hovered over them. It was like their own shade screen and then they had a, a pillar of fire that floated over them by night they had exodus 16 they had the manna the, the the bread that would fall out of heaven and manifest itself on the ground and they would eat the, the food of angels like they were completely taken care of and yet 10 of them were still so carnal they were constantly complaining against moses get us back to the old ways we'd rather go back to egypt at least we got to eat you know they, there was constantly testings of god and this was the 10th round of it literally so basically, God says, fine, basically, you're going to have what you want, and everybody that's 20 years and, and older will not enter that promised land, except for my two guys that came back with the positive. You know, Caleb and Joshua come back, and they're like, there's grapefruits this big. 
bigger than our heads over there, man. Like, they're like, there's giants. They're like, yo, there's grapefruits. There's milk. There's honey. This is awesome. God's with us. There's these two courageous dudes out of the whole, out of the whole tribe. And, and it's, it's funny. When the ten came back saying that, the whole tribe started to weep and cry. And then Joshua and, and, and Caleb were like, what? Like, no, no, we've got this. God's given this to us. It was a completely different perspective. So the people were like, well, let's, let's stone these guys and get rid of them. But, you know, they did. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens. So, you know, everybody except for Caleb and Joshua, they didn't die off. So we wait a certain amount of years after this, 40 or so, you know, a, a good while until everybody that was 20 years and old had died off. And then Moses himself ends up dying as well. But Joshua ends up being his, the new leader in Moses' place. And so that's where, hopefully that's a good little cliff notes there, where we find ourselves in the book of Joshua with the new leader taking place, who's symbolic of the Lord Jesus himself because it's the same name. And it's like, hey, it starts off God talking to, and it's beautiful because Moses, everybody was scared of God except for Joshua. Moses would go up on the mountain with God and Joshua would follow him. And creep up there you know what I mean um, literally the way it's written it's like he was he was stealth by Moses had a tent of meeting in the wilderness where God would boom that pillar of fire would actually come and a piece of it or a lot of it would come down over that tent where he was and everybody would sit sit in the in the seats of their tent or in the um, like in the doorway and watch like just creeping but they would tell Moses you talk to him you talk to him because they were you know they had a, a different you know they were afraid so but it says that joshua when the cloud would go away and you know after moses was done talking to the lord and whatever the message he was getting for the for the people whatever joshua would go as moses was leaving joshua would go creep in that tent he wasn't afraid of him he his heart was god his heart was like i want to know you too and so there's not a lot about that but just that he did that and so he emerges as this leader and it's just like, we have this thing of like chosen ones and all this stuff in, our, in Christianity and in the, in the world today, maybe the charismatic world. But it's like, the reality is like, many are called, few are chosen. That's like, everybody has the calling, but, but few actually choose to walk it out. You know what I mean? That's just what it is. Everyone ties their spiritual shoes the same way. Just what it is. Everybody's gifted, and we will get to that in profound different ways. But that's not even set to remain the way it is. And we'll get to this, but this is a week or two out. And so, you know, Joshua's heart was hungry to know God and God is who, that's where the goods are. So he knew him and because of that, he had authority. And then God gave him authority with the people. So Joshua starts off and in, in, in the Cliff Notes version of the Lord coming to Joshua and said, oh, hey, Moses, my servant is dead because he got in a little trouble too by striking a rock. It's a story, but... Many of you know that. I like talking to you guys. You read the Bible. Um, but it's like, he comes to, to Joshua, and, and basically he starts telling them, like, you're going to actually lead these people and divide the inheritance for them. Like, now it's time to go across the Jordan. They've already crossed the Red Sea. That was that first baptism, right? And, um, but now it's like the Promised Land was on the other side of this Jordan River. There's another baptism coming, the Mystic River. You know, and um, but God starts talking to him, and says, "Finally, like you guys are actually now we're going to go in." It's like it's almost like 
the whole nation had been on pause, or Joshua had been. You know what I mean? Joshua and Caleb were like, let us go in. God's given it to us. And then it's like, hey, we're going to sit out until all of that old dies away. This isn't talking about old religious people, so don't take me wrong there. It's talking about the old man, that Adamic, Adam, inheritance, stuck with tradition, stuck with comfort, and the old man is, is, is fearful and afraid. You know, it's so, and, and it really is talking about unbelief, the unbelieving. And so anyways, Joshua and Caleb were ready to go in. I was like, oh, we're going now? Like, let's do it. But God starts coming and giving him commandments, which Joshua is for us. Remember, these things were written, 1 Corinthians 10 says, for our admonition. We're in, jo we're in Yeshua. We're in the Lord Jesus. We're walking this walk. And, um, but he comes to him and he says, be strong and be of good courage. You're going to divide the inheritance. Only be strong and very courageous. That's verse 6 and verse 7. That you may observe according to all the law which my servant Moses commanded you that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Um, all that's written in it. And you will, for then you will make your way prophes, uh, prosperous. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, don't be afraid. So here's the Lord, God literally talking to this guy. And here's, here's the rules. Alright, here's the rules. Here's what I want you, here's your commandment. Don't be afraid no matter what. Be strong, be, be courageous. Okay? And also, and, and don't be afraid no matter what. Be courageous, be bold. You know? And hey, have I not told you this? Huh? Be strong and be courageous. There's something to the boldness of those who are covered by God that, that transcends insecurities and fears that permeate the world around us. Right? We just... We just um, went through Yom Kippur, right, this last week. The Day of Atonement. The one day of the year that the high priest could actually go into the Holy of Holies where there was the thick, the thick curtain. The one which Jesus tore from the top to bottom in Matthew 27, 51, and 52. It's that thick curtain that was severed at the cross. But back then, it was instituted. And God would come into that holy place once a year on Yom Kippur and the high priest would come before him. Only the high priest could ever go back there and make atonement for all of the people. And so we have, if you want to read Hebrews 10, if you're a note taker, if you listen to this podcast, it's like Hebrews 10 is like saying, hey, we have a high priest that doesn't have to go in every year. By one sacrifice, the Passover lamb himself made a sacrifice that you've got to be confident now. And Hebrews 10 goes on and says, so you go boldly before the throne of grace. You know what I'm saying? Do not throw away your confidence, which, which will be richly rewarded. You, you, you remember all these scriptures, and a lot of times they're on the refrigerator for like, Saturday's football game for Sammy. Make sure he knows to be tough, boy. You know, you know what I mean? We think this way. Tebow. Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a Gator fan, so I'm not hating on Tebow right there. I'm just saying like, but like the context of it really is like, be fully confident in that reality that you're covered and don't get tricked to go back to sowing the, the fig leaf bikini and mankini, right? You're covered. Don't try to cover yourself like Adam and Eve did. You're covered. Now actually walk in this communication and communion with him. And so we see this parallel. I love it in, in Joshua 1. He's telling Joshua, oh and, oh, and by the way, be fully strong and courageous. Let your mind permeate. Let that word of, of life and, and you know, 
they only had the first five books. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of weird, but like, let the law, let the book of the law not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You know, we know what Jesus said in Matthew 22. The law is fulfilled in this. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, consume yourself with, with the law, which we know is not legalism. It is like loving God above all things, seeking His kingdom first, and actually loving people. Let nothing get in the way of you loving people, and you will have great success and be prosperous. Be confident. So that's rule number one. That's Christianity. Foretold in Joshua 1. You know. So Joshua 2 is interesting. He's, <laughs> this is funny. He sends some spies, the cliff notes of Joshua 2. And if you haven't read these before, or they seem kind of, you know, I would encourage you to read them. It's not a long deal. I just, you know, it would be long for a message. But, um, you know, he sends the two spies to go spy out Jericho in that region, the very first city that they were actually going to go into. And, of course, where's the first place they go when they get into Jericho? But a, a brothel. You know what I mean? Uh, for some reason, it's like, wow, why'd you go there? You know, don't know. They didn't get questioned about it or whatever. But any, for some reason, they go to this lady named Rahab the prostitute's house. And, uh, you know, so that's interesting. And so they're hiding from the king of Jericho knows they're out there. Everybody's, everybody's nervous about them. They've heard about the Red Sea thing. There's a cloud that floats over these people. These are some frightening people encroaching on our territory, you know. And... Um, but Rahab does something interesting. She hides them in her house. She risks being killed by her own people and hides these guys and makes a deal with them. I'm going to hide you. I'm going to get you to go. And they make this deal. She, she, you know, the, Jericho, the, the soldiers of Jericho, she, she put them on a, 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 a false trail, if you read that. But she makes this deal with these guys that, like, look, um, if you'll spare me and my family, my mom, my dad, my parents' house, my sisters, like my siblings. If you guys, I know that God is with you and you're coming to wreck shop on this country. And there's reasons for it, by the way. It was profoundly wicked. And it was in partnership with something profoundly demonic, which was instituting hell on the earth. But that's reading between the lines, but it's in there, especially if you get to chapter 6. But uh, anyhow, so, sorry, but... You know, so that's what's kind of going on. And so she, she stashed them. They, they make a deal like, hey, you tie this scarlet rope around your window. And when we come and wreck shop and wipe this place out, we'll take care of your entire family. No one will even go in your house. Like everybody inside your house and it'll be good. And so that's, it's this interesting story. But I love it because like when you look into like, when you look into like Matthew, the genealogy of Jesus, Rahab's in it. This Rahab the prostitute is in, <laughs> that's Jesus' grandma. You know what I mean? It's so weird. It's so funny. Um, not grandma, but you know, great, 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 you know, whatever, how many. Like, that's his people, you know? And you look at somebody like, you know, in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. A lot of people like those. It lifts all these heroes of the faith. One of them's Rahab, the prostitute, is the way it says. <laughs> it's so funny. But like, she's this famous person. But it's not written there as a stab. It's written there for us who are going into the promised land. See, we understand this. Jesus' prayer, what Christianity looks like, Father in heaven, boom. There's the, there's the, re the coming back into alignment with our actual dad. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's, there's this, 
there's this, we think, oh, is this about Israel? Like, it's not about Israel. It's about heaven on earth, which is everywhere you set your foot, which is what he told Joshua, everywhere you set your foot. And so it's about us walking in this life, but also there's people that you would think were the lowest of low. You know what I mean? That have no right. But they're exalted in the Bible that, that we revere as God's word, that many of us read like every single day. You know what I mean? Rahab's in there. And not only that, she's, she's Jesus' people. You know? And then you got James. I think that's kind of funny because in James, I think James 2, he talks about, he's talking about what faith looks like. Like, faith without works. Like, Rahab, the prostitute, was, was, had works to go with her faith. She was acting this stuff out. And it's a, and it's a, and it's a picture for us. It's not about... Yeah, he, they went into where there were some nuns you know, some, some, some virgin nuns uh, of, the, of the Jericho religion, you know. Uh, you know, and, and, and man, one of them was really astute. You know, it's like, no, they went into Rahab's house, yes. her shindig she had going on. Yes. And guess what? And that's James writing that, who's Jesus' half-brother. So he's talking about grandma too. <laughs> my, my grandma, the prostitute, my prostitute grandma, had faith. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what he's saying. And it's, so it's just like, oh man, or great, 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 great grandma, have faith, you know. But it's it's interesting, it's the genealogy of these things, and um, just something that's beautiful there. You know, even the least of these, we think that's giving water to a kid, and uh, you know, or let it, let the kids come. But it's like, man, like, it's like not shunning anybody as being vitally important to the to the unfolding history of God's purposes and plan in the world. It could be somebody you thinks like that's. You know, terrible occupation. You know, you're, you're garbage. You know, you're, you're this. You know, but look who God uses. And it's not there by accident. See, to love people is to never judge a single one. Like, that's what love, love hopes all things. It means like every person we encounter, if you pray for them, if you see them, even if you want to minister or do make a move there prophetically or whatever else, a lot of that comes from the love of God, which is actually hope. Connecting to the hope of God for their future. Yeah. You know, Jesus calls those things that are not as though they were. And it's just like seeing, seeing things that maybe are not in this realm, but seeing them as they are in his heart and mind and actually speaking into those things and speaking them into reality. This is the authority of the believers. There's no such thing as spirit-filled Christianity. That's what Christianity is. You know what I mean? It's just what it is. It is an it is an empowered religion. It's the religion of being really empowered to make difference and make change. Yeah. So then, step three or, or chapter three. Sorry, but um, you got they crossed the they crossed the Jordan. They finally crossed the Jordan. They've been in the wilderness this whole time. They're scouting out the land. They've got the green light to go take their inheritance. Full of monstrous types of people. You know what I mean? But he tells them, hey. You've never passed this way before, but it's time to go in. Consecrate yourselves. So this, the Ark of the Covenant, the priests take it in their, their hands. It was, it was lifted up on poles and they literally stepped their feet into the water. And in Joshua 3.16 it says, The waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at a city that was called Adam. Joshua 3.16. And 
I mean, there's no, there's no getting around this. You know what I mean? This is Colossians 1, 21, 22, 23. Like, everything you once were that you inherited from Adam has been completely pushed back all the way. It's like, well, you don't know who I am. Even just, oh, I'm just a sinner. It's like, you know, Romans says that we became sinners. Through one man, Adam, all became sinners. But also through one man, everyone's to be made righteous. It's just like, there's something in this Christian walk of walking with the Lord and being obedient to Him to step it into our promised land. Which I'm not talking about, yes, the new career or whatever we're looking for. I'm talking about heaven on earth, wherever you're at. Wherever we find ourselves having the goods to release heaven to those who are thirsty and hungry for it. You know, to speak the life and light of God. The words of God are the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, man. And if we shovel them out and we impact people with those, those things multiply 30, 60, and 100 fold. Yeah. You know, it's real. It is so very real. And it's really something that I, I, I know I, 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 it's, an S, it's, a, it's a major point to me, but, but I, I see the true church and our, our body being this way. You know, taking this reality everywhere we go. But the beautiful thing is, it's like, hey, when you stepped into this baptism, this is the second baptism we want to say. Well, we say, well, the first baptism was Christianity. The second baptism, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, you can see that. I can see that. But watch Jesus come down and go back up. And the dove is there. You know, the, the ghost is there. It's like, it's, it's as, a, as literally as a symbol for us to see what this looks like. Um, these can be two in one. The redemption, the remission, the repentance, the, the, the you know, John was literally saying, it, I'm, I'm baptizing to repentance, to a change of mind. You know, but there's somebody coming after me He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's, he's like, Jesus said John was the greatest of prophets ever born of a woman. He said he's the greatest man ever born of a woman. He said both those things about him. You know what I mean? But that the, he was least in the kingdom is greater than him. It's like, well, that's a, that's a greatest prophet, but he was in the kingdom. What does that mean? Like, you mean in heaven, right? Like, no. I mean in the age of the kingdom when, when, when it is finished. You know? Yeah, it's something, something interesting there. So yes, the waters, they, they go back all the way to Adam. And they actually cross over. And they cross over and they start setting up shop. I love it. Um, in Joshua 5, they literally sit down and they start, they have the Passover. It says they have the Passover there in the plains of Jericho. So it's just like, whoa, you're coming into this city that you're going to wreck. And you stop on the, on the plains and actually start having a picnic out in the open field with thousands and thousands of people, you know. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's very strange. But what's more strange than that is God actually comes to them, comes to Joshua in Joshua 5 verse 2, and He says, all right, I want you to make some flint knives for yourselves. And it's just like, okay, we're going to attack these bad guys with flint knives? I'm, I'm cool with that, you know. No, Daniel, that's not what I'm saying. No, Joshua, that's not, you know. Um, I need you to circumcise all these people. Because everybody, everybody 20 years old and up, they passed away. Now these are the grown-ups, and they've never, they've never had to experience this. They've never had this. And 
I'm raising my hand in the back of the room saying, hey, you think maybe this is a bad time? We just crossed over into their territory. We're sitting here having Passover dinner, and we want to we have surgery to where people are laid up for a few days and can't fight or do anything else. You think that might be, uh, leave us a little vulnerable? Vulnerable? Something? Girls use that word. I'm trying to catch up to that <laughs> lingo, but, you know, don't you think that, you know, but, but, but God says, no, we're going to do that and we're going to keep the Passover here, which is such a beautiful thing. The Passover was like, they did it every year and that's what they did when they broke out of Egypt. You know what I mean? Cooking that unleavened bread, you know, bringing the lamb into the house, all that stuff. It's like they're there sitting there and it's like, whoa, now we're, now we're in our promised land, but there's bad guys around. We're a little shaky about this. And it's like, I want you to sit down and remember how you got broke out of a powerhouse way bigger than this. Yeah. I want you to understand your foundations, your roots. Yeah. Remember, you know. Just like jo he said to Joshua, like, be strong, courageous. There's something for us to seeing the Bible and seeing Christianity throughout the whole thing. And like, this is like a basic, you know, we're doing a Sunday school practically. We're doing a Bible story, right? You know what I mean? But if, you, but if anything you read in here can become so incredibly profound... You know what I mean? You could have read this dozens of times and then you see it and you're like, oh, this, I'm, this is, that's what this is talking about. Okay, so Romans 15, like, first thing this is like, this is for us to see. Like, absolutely. These are the things these people were feeling. I feel those things sometimes. It's like, hey, being, being so focused back on the lamb himself. Well, I want the lion of God right now. I'm about to get into a fight. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, no, no. Focus on the Lamb. Focus on what He's done and you be confident. Because you're going to have to trust Him where you're going. And you're not going out there with your flint knives. We're going to get rid of those and we're going to go out there. Well, we're going to have like some, some axes and stuff, some, some catapults against that Jericho wall, right? Like, no, actually, we're just going to play some music around there. And it's just like, oh, okay, oh, okay. You know what I mean? This is, this is not making much sense. It's like, hey, man, remember Passover? Remember that? Remember those plagues? Remember the Lamb? Remember the Red Sea? Remember the Jordan? Remember who you're with? Yeah. This is Christianity. This is one of my favorite things. This probably doesn't really matter so much. Ah, oh, I think it really will. It really will. So they kept the they got circumcised. They were healing up, keeping the Passover. Joshua 5.13, it says, It came to pass while Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and, and, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. So Joshua did what any courageous warrior would do. He walks up on him and starts talking junk to him. Joshua went to him and he said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And so you see this picture, this guy that's standing there, and it's not sheathed, man. He's got the sword out, and he's, got, you know, he's, he's faced, the boom, boom, me and Roland, just boom. And, you know, and... Joshua, it didn't be like, oh my gosh, let me go get my men. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, give me what side you're on and be careful how you answer because it's going. We're going. You know, that's, uh, you got to love him and Caleb, just the, the vibe those guys had. Are you for us or for our adversaries? And, and his answer is no. No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Wow. 
It's like, oh, I'm the boss. I'm the king. Who's this? It is Jesus, yeah. Jesus is the embodiment of Yahweh. That's Yahweh embodied. The Word made flesh. That's Him. So here He is, the guy who's bleeding out for us on a cross. Refuse, well, is that a gong? <laughs> wow. Shang. Am I going too late? Am I, I think I got a little blah. Um, you know, but the warrior king, and he's standing there with a sword out. You know, if you, if you just came around the corner, you were going on a hike, and somebody who's got a full-blown sword out, even in 2021, you'd be like, whoa, easy. What's, what, what's happening? Are we good here? You know what I mean? Joshua's, are you for us or for the enemy? He's like, no. I command the angelic armies of God, of the, the armies of, of Yahweh. <laughs> you know? It says, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. He said, what does my Lord say to his servant? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was you. And he says the same thing that the angel of the Lord inside of the burning bush, who was Yahweh, said to Moses. He says, take your, take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And I love this, man. It's like, I'm here. I'm here. You know what I mean? And here's another rewiring. You know, they're sitting over there in a vulnerable place. They're having Passover. Focus on me. Focus on the Lamb. Understand who I am. You're going out into the world with the agenda to plant heaven. And something manifests out of a disciple, one of us, out of Joshua. And it's this tendency that we have. It's, it, it really can be like the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The ability we have to judge or discern why a person is where they are, who they're with. But he, he's, it's like, whose side are you on? And it's like, I'm not on a side. That's wrong thinking. You know, the Word of God is living and active, right? And sharper than any two-edged sword, which he's holding, divides between the sword and the spirit. Or, I'm sorry, the soul and the spirit. The mind, the will, the emotions, and the spirit. Bone and marrow, you know, it's like the Lord showing up, appearing as an enemy, sometimes can be the carnal mind seeing God in our life as in a confusing way. But He's never an enemy. He's giving an opportunity to actually take His side in something, to take His mindset. You know what I mean? To have the soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our own opinions, the, the ways we think, the way we see people and judge, it's like, nah. That's not what's going on here. And it's never to harm, right? He may look like he's got fire in his eyes and like he's going to swing your, swing your head off. You know what I mean? But the only thing he wants to swing at is the baggage. The weights that we're carrying. Sometimes in our identity, we get so used to carrying our, our, our baggage as if it's part of our identity and God knows us because he created us before the foundations of the earth. He's like, that's not you. The tough guy. The one who has it all together. You know, the one who's better than this. And the, you know, all, these, all these things that we use to feel safe, to feel accepted. Um, he knows, and we can feel personally attacked <laughs> if we're so at one with all those Adam identities. The old way. 
everything that came in through the fall. But it's like, hey, I know that those aren't you. The water world back to Adam. I know who you truly are. And I'm giving you an opportunity to fully align with me. Well, are you on our side or their side? It's like, no, no, no. Are you on my side or are you not? You know, I've come to make you on my side. This is the, this is the circumcision. I'm going to cut away everything that's unnecessary here in your heart and in your mind. And you're going to walk with me, carrying me as an imager into this next phase of life, into your job, your workplace, the mall, you know, whatever. You like to drink coffee shops or whatever. You know, whatever it is, you're going to be contagious with me, but I want you to have my mind, you know. Take your shoes off, Joshua. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh. He knew the bush. He knew the story. He knew Moses. And like, it was just like, oh, it's like, you know, you're meeting your hero. You're meeting the one you've been hanging out with. You've been seeing. They saw Jesus on the mountain. They saw him. Only Moses went up, but Joshua crept up with him. Past this, this, this crystal blue divider that cut the mountain in half which I believe is the sea of glass in Revelation, like this separated the realms. It was like blue tile work, you know. Um, you know, anyhow. So, you know, I'll geek out on this stuff if y'all don't watch out, you know. But, but Joshua was there. He's seen him. He's, he's, he's known him. But now he was knowing him in a deeper way. You know what I mean? It's so cool. This is like what I felt like, the Lord drawing people into something deeper. I felt that sense in my office this morning when I was just praying about this. Um, it's just like, man, I feel like he's drawing us into something deeper, a deeper walk. And people saying like, hey, why am I plugged in? Yeah, why is my, you know, the traditions, the, the, the pressures of life and these things, like why are those priorities they shouldn't be? And being free to let go of that kind of stuff, like I want to follow him. There's so much purpose and destiny and there truly is in this walk. And I felt that stirring. Um, but yeah, I love that. I just work here, Vincent. I just work here. Yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our motto. We don't get paid to even have an opinion of people. I just work here. And we give life. We speak light. We don't judge. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, you know, I was reminded of this. Sometimes you've heard like Jesus in Matthew 5, 23. If you go to bring your gift before the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Go make it right before him. That's another one of those zingers, just like those forgiveness things we've been doing the past couple weeks. But you remember that, and, and make it right, and then coming off your, off your altar. It's like he's, he's dividing this, this thought process. Now, now, hold on. So we take that scripture, Matthew 5, 23 and 24, and he's not saying if somebody's accused you of something you didn't do and you have nothing to do with, and you know if you've ever counseled anybody that's addicted or whatever, they'll have stuff against you. I'm talking about if, if you... If you're walking with the Lord and remember that somebody ha- that you've actually wronged somebody, that's what that actually means. Not somebody's just cooked up some reason to be offended at you, right? Um, but you've actually wronged, like, ah, I kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, like, I desire y'all's relationships to be whole and healed and healthy. You know what I mean? I want you to manifest the kingdom everywhere you go, but it's so right within our vessels to be aligned with him. You know what I mean? And we'll be, we're the vessels of power. You know what I mean? We're the carriers of the Spirit of God Himself. You know? Okay. 
Genesis 6, so they show up at Jericho. You guys have probably read this story, so we'll really cliff notes it. But, um, you know, I like to church it up a little bit and be like, all right, this is when catapults were invented or something cool like that. But it's really not, because they didn't give him catapults. He says, all right. He says, see, Joshua, I've given Jericho into your hands. After all this alignment, what I want you to do is march around the city for six days in a row. Every day, walk around the whole city. Okay, that's kind of strange. And seven priests shall, shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day, you'll march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. So he says, basically, I want you all to be quiet and just walk around the city once for six days. Then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. Can you imagine getting this playbook as like a military leader and being like, okay, you know what I mean? But he's like ingraining this, like this isn't about you. This is about me. Just follow me. Sometimes the Christian walk, we're going to take it out of the story and just look at the unconventional walk of what Christianity can often be. You know what I mean? And it's like what we're really gearing here because we know what happens you know, that you shall not shout or make a noise, it says in, in, in Joshua 6.10 and all these things. But it comes to pass on the seventh day, they rose early about the dawning of the day, marched around the city seven times. Um, on that day only was the time they did it seven times. And at seventh time it happened, they blew the trumpets, they got loud, they started shouting, and the walls of Jericho fell into the ground. And they ransacked the city and destroyed everything in it, almost, unfortunately. Um, but that's in the story for another day because he was, says, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. This wasn't like, go in there, but don't, don't take any Halloween decorations. We don't like that. You know, it wasn't like something like this. It was like, there's things within the city that are, that are rooted and tied to highly demonic powers from some of the sons of God that rebelled in Genesis 6 and, 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 and do not connect or take any of those things. Another time, but that's a lesson they had to learn the hard way. Let's put it that way. But anyhow, aside from that, it worked. We have this story, and I'll close it up, but it's like the assignment of stepping into the promised land. Their first lesson, our first lesson of what it looks like to walk as Christians. You've been baptized, repentance, baptized in the Spirit, you're actually coming back. You're, you're knowing the Lord in a profound way. He's doing business in our hearts. This is what Christianity looks like. The things that He's working out in us constantly are like, hey, the issues of the heart, people, relationships. You know what I'm saying? Well, whose side are you on? It's like, no, it doesn't work this way with me. You know what I mean? Um, the circumcision of heart and mind. It's like, there's, it's a completely different vibe. It's a completely different walk. It's otherworldly. But there's so much victory in it. Well, that doesn't sound like the way to succeed. It's like, yeah, well, I'll show you. What we'll do is our first victory will be the lesson for us all today. And that is, I just want you to walk around this, the city seven different times. Well, six days, one time. The seventh day, we'll do seven. And then what I want is I want the seven priests with seven trumpets and ram, horn, ram horns um, on the seventh day to start blasting off. Strange, you know, strange, but it worked. And they won the first territory, a beautiful territory. It's like San Diego over there. And it's like, um, you know, which, you know, they just ransacked and moved on. But 
you know, this walk of Christianity, seven days, seven weeks, you know, all, all this stuff, it's like it's a full-time life. It's like us, man. Like, I don't, you're not going to see us. And, uh, you know, don't request it. I mean, uh, you know, we're not going to like, hi- let's, let's hire a couple, uh, you know, blow up houses, bounce houses, and we'll buy a bunch of hot dogs and we'll put it in the park and we'll pass out tracks. You know what I mean? Like, just like, that's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? That's just not, that's fine. That's fine. People do that. Good. Reach people that way. I just don't think this way. I'm not saying we'll never do that. Most likely that's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> But it's more like looking at what New Testament Christianity really is. It's just like, hey, seven days a week, full time, you're there in the city. You're not even making a big show about it. But when it's go time, it's go time. And the walk of the Spirit can even, I think, sometimes for people, well, I'm called to this place or that place, or like, we gotta, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I would rather our people be effective living in the moment in their life and being present, connected to God and releasing Him in their circles, in their sphere and impacting people so much more than, you know, let's, let's rent a water slide and, and buy a hamburger, you know, and I shouldn't say those things. Sometimes I say things I regret, right? I don't think I'll ever regret that. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, I just don't see it. It's a strategy for some. I just, it's no, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's not, you know, see, see I'm, I'm like back, I'm like backing up. Like I really think this, but it's not necessary for me to say. But what I am saying is like there's something, we talked last week, uh, the prophecies of the seven, right? Isaiah 11, verse two, was, was one of those other prophecies about this messianic king that was gonna come. The spirit of the Lord would be upon him, one. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, two and three, of counsel and might and of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, which is the reality of God. It's like these seven spirits was going to be, it's like he's going to have seven ghosts, seven spirits. Like what's going on? You know what I mean? And we understand like Revelation 3, it's like this, when Jesus shows up to John, he says, I'm the one with the seven spirits. You know what I mean? And it's like, Jesus has seven different spirits, man. You know what I mean? It's I, and John's mind was blowing up. He felt like a dead man in that scenario. But, um, the sevenfold spirit is the fullness of the spirit of God. It's not a spiritual gifting where like, oh, I need wisdom in this moment. It's like you have the well of wisdom. You have the well of knowledge and understanding. The ability to counsel in your friendships, your relationships, your family. You know what I mean? It's like the, the, the spirit of might, which is power. You know what I mean? The fear of the Lord, which is the reality of heaven that we're actually called to carry in our sphere. This sense of you beat you live by a different drum, you know what I mean? The feeling of the presence of God. That's what true hospitality is, I believe. You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody feeling at home like they're in heaven, like their family's around. Because they are. It's just unseen, you know? Hebrews 12. But, you know, it's like... Back to the blow-up houses. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> um... But the reality, the seven horns and the seven laps and the seven days and it's like seven times around, you know, it's like, it's like, this is drilled. These things were written for us. You know what I mean? First Corinthians, I'm just going to read it because I've been quoting it and I'm saying first Corinthians 10, but let's just hope that that's right. Because them internet Pharisees will hit you up. (laughs) 
Yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. All these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Um, it's like these things, these stories, this is our history. It's our family history. Um, but it's also everything they went through is prophetic and is a picture for us to see. The supernatural Christian life, it is profoundly mystical and is supernatural, and it, and it is. There's a communication to God that is spirit, and Joshua entered into it. But also there's something profoundly practical about walking in the wholeness of what God has for us. And a lot of that comes from releasing the forgiveness and being right with our brothers and, and being right with God. You know, there's certain things, um, but whole in our vessels, going through that process, the Passover, understanding what He's paid for, understanding that everything we once were in Adam has been backed up to that city called Adam. It's been reversed all the way to Adam. So before Adam ate that fruit, whatever it was, you know, however that if that literal or not. Um, you know, before Adam and Eve did this, before that lineage opened up to all these other things and we became something we were never supposed to be, it's like, I want you to live like you would have lived if you were born in Eden. I want your body, your mind to be there. And it's like, well, that's just, too, that's just too much. It's like, well, yeah, it is a walk. It is a renewing of the mind, but there's no way around it in our Bible. There's no way around it. Jesus comes like Adam, but the Adam that, that he goes out into the wilderness after he's baptized with the wild beasts, the animals that wanted to kill people, and he, like Adam, had no fear of them. That's why those things are written, Mark. That's why that's, you know, he's riding a donkey that had never been saddled, the, the, the most stubborn, wild animal there is to ride. And it's just mellow with him. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we've been cut of the same of the same DNA. We've been brought back into that alignment with the same agenda to destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was just manifest to destroy the works of the devil. That's our family business. To manifest heaven, which those two go hand in hand. You know? And sometimes it's as practical. I mean, don't get your shofar out at work this week and start blowing it seven times. You know? There's people that do stuff like this, you know? I mean... You know, okay. Got some weird stories in my life, but... You know, it, the reality is we're called to walk this way on a constant level, a constant basis. Enoch, who walked with God and was not, he stepped into the new covenant, in the old covenant, and he lived 365 years, which, is, which 365 is a picture of, of, you know, of like every day of the year. But it's like, that just shows like there's something of a constant walk with God that you enter into something that's eternal. The seven day a week thing, it's like there's something of like this full time walk and discipline of heart and mind, being obedient to the issues of the heart, being obedient to the sword being drawn in our life, being obedient to letting our baggage go, being, you know, following through on things like whose side, like having a higher mind, releasing forgiveness, choosing not to judge. All these things are aspects of walking in the Spirit, the very practical aspects, we could, we could spend all day on, don't worry, I'm not going to do that, but it's like, that enable us to be those who walk in the power of God and, and, and remove walls that keep us out. Because everybody's wearing these costumes, these Adam costumes, to be safe. You know? 
And it's not, I know, you know, we don't come beating on them with our catapults and our, you know, what are those things with battering rams, you know? It's like, it's like, hey, we can just walk around and be who we truly are. And that will disarm those things to the people we're called to free, that we're called to speak life into. I would much rather have that than a huge picnic and have a thousand people there. I would much rather have a hundred people that literally just live Christianity in their life and all their circles actually breed health. And, 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 and people want what we have. Not we just our church, but I mean want what we have. Instead of, you're going to go to hell if you don't join my club, you know, because God is love. But who will throw your butt in hell, you know? So, okay, I'll join, you know. Let's make you scared. Um, but more like walking in such wholeness and confidence and love and health in your marriage and in your family and in your relationship, you know, just that's just like, wow, like you don't, you don't seem affected by the climate of the political scene or the world or this or that. It's like, you're, you're hopeful. You're this, you're that. Like, I want that, you know, they should want what we have because it emanates from us. You know, they wanted to get in the shadow of Peter. That's what it said. You know, people wanted to get around him because it was so real to them. It was it became, that's the fear of the Lord. It became so, this life became so real to these guys that being around them, it was weird. It was real. That's how Jesus was. They're like, man, he doesn't talk like the scribes. Like, I felt what he was saying. I felt what he was talking about. That's not like the scribes. The scribes had us memorized. They're smarter than everybody. But like, I felt that. That was weird. That's, how do you feel a teaching? Like, we're just supposed to listen to it and go to eat afterwards. Like, what? You know what I mean? But imagine if our whole church was like that. Yeah, and it, it really, yeah, it has a lot of it. It does. But you know what I mean? Was that contagious? And not, not just in town, but I want this town as well.